This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you're having a good day out there today. Happy Carlos Correa News Conference Day to those who celebrate. He's going to be doing that this morning, probably right around the time you could be listening to this podcast. Um, Twins making that official on Tuesday and introducing him to the world, <laughs> at least to Twins fans, on uh, on Wednesday. So that's exciting. Part of a flurry of moves that we've talked about plenty of times here and another one, um, Vikings landing Zadarius Smith on Tuesday. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit as well. Sarah McClellan, Star Tribune Wild beat writer, will join me here in a little while, too, to talk about all the moves that team made, um, including the trade for goalie Mark andre Fleury and what that means for the stretch run, what that means for Cam Talbot, what that means for the goalie rotation, and all just all of the moves that Bill Guerin made at the deadline to try to give the Wild a chance to be a better playoff team this season. Um, so we'll get to that with Sarah in a little while, and we'll have some extended thoughts on on kind of the whole swirl of all of these moves happening as well. But first, what did I miss? Like I noted at the jump, Vikings got Zadarius Smith formerly of the Packers, another border crossing for uh, for a former Packer player coming to Minnesota, signifying to me though more than just that. It's uh, you know, it's it's the spending of money on a outside defensive free agent, which they've done a little bit on the defensive interior line and they spent on Patrick Peterson a year ago, but really since they've, you know, in the last few years, they, they've kind of really leaned on Daniil Hunter, and that's kind of come back to hurt them a little bit. I know they made the panic trade for Yannick Ngakwe in 2020 and then made the panic trade to get rid of him six games later, um, but, you know, the efforts to pair somebody up with Daniil Hunter um, ever since Everson Griffin, you know, kind of got to the backstage of his career have been a little bit lacking, and so this is a little bit... This is the first move made by the new regime. Quese Doflamenza, all the assistants underneath him, and in tandem, I would imagine, with Kevin O'Connell wanting, you know, taking input from the new head coach, what kind of players does he want on this team? This is the first real departure move, is kind of the theme I have for, for this Zadarius Smith signing. Um, you know, they spend a lot of money. It's going to be, it could be up to, you know, $14 million a year, something like that. Don't know how exactly how much is guaranteed. They reportedly had to convert some of the, uh, had to convert that Daniil Hunter contract into a, uh, you know, convert that roster bonus into a signing bonus to clear that cap space needed to sign Zadarius Smith. But, you know, I was getting a little bit, I don't know, worried is the right word, but I was getting a little bit concerned that, um, Quese Dofo Mensa uh, was under instructions that he couldn't do as much as he wanted to to this roster. And that still might be the case because a lot of what they've done, as we've talked about on this show, as we'll talk about later this week on Access Vikings with Andrew Kramer, is largely keep last year's roster intact. You know, they've re- they redid Kirk Cousins' deal. They, they kept Daniil Hunter, like I just said. They restructured Harrison Smith. They restructured Adam Thien. A lot of these you know, veterans who they could have made hard decisions on and, and, and hit more of a reset, and they didn't do that. They, they've they brought back a lot of the same guys, and their moves in free agency have been pretty modest. You know, Harrison Phillips for the interior line, um, Jordan Hicks at linebacker, you know, good, solid players, but not, not necessarily splash moves and not 
certainly not a, a complete change in direction for the defense. But now you add Zadarius Smith, who figures to maybe be a linebacker, an outside linebacker in this 3-4 scheme that they're going to run. You pair him with the Neil Hunter and get those guys after the quarterback. That, you know, that's not a wholesale change, but that's that's a change in philosophy, and that's a big a bigger outside move than they had made so far. So, you know, I like to how on uh, on on thir- on uh, on Tuesday they snuck in the Sean Mannion has resigned thing too. If they just done Mannion on Tuesday, uh, this would have been a different show on Wednesday. Mannion's fine. I know Kirk Cousins is very durable. If the season, you know, if he got hurt, the season would be in jeopardy anyway. So, and, and Cousins likes Mannion, whatever, that's fine. But if if they would have just done Mannion, it's, this would have been an even more of the same kind of offseason. So, good timing on Zadarius Smith. Um, sounds like he was motivated to come here. Um, the money was right. The familiarity with some of the staff was right, including Ed Donatel. Um, you know, a lot of the things that they're going to do here are similar to, uh, to to what probably he was he's been used to in the past. So it, it all made sense. He, he gets to play the Packers a couple times a year, and those revenge games are always fun. Just ask Brett Favre. Just ask Ryan Longwell. Um, but more than that, to me, this signifies a departure in this offseason and the first one that I had seen evidence of so far. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's welcome back Sarah McClellan to Daily Delivery right now, someone who's been very busy, about as busy as our Twins writers lately with the volume of moves the Wilds have been making. I guess the difference there is they're actually playing meaningful games in the midst of all of these trades. The the biggest one, Sarah, obviously coming Monday right before the deadline with the acquisition of goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, last year's Vesna Trophy winner of proven, you know, multiple Stanley Cup champions. Um How's it going? You catch your breath a little bit from uh, from everything that happened Monday? Yeah, it was definitely a busy day for the team and uh, quite a contrast from last year's deadline when the team, you know, didn't pull off any moves, kind of stayed with the same roster. And obviously that culminated in that first round playoff Las Vegas. And now, you know, a year later to see the strides, the growth, the progress, this was obviously a team that Bill Guerin, you know, clearly endorsed with these moves and, you know, bolstering it for this playoff run. So a lot can change in a year. It can. Um, and a lot can change even in, you know, two or three weeks. I mean, maybe go back to like mid-February before they hit that slide. Um, you know, they've been playing pretty well. And both of their goalies had been playing pretty well in tandem, both Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen. Kakinen, of course, traded also on Monday, ostensibly to make room in the in the goalie depth chart. Um, he wasn't going to get much action as long as Cam Talbot and um, Flurry were here. But you know, they they hit that that dry spell where they lose what ten out of fourteen or something like that. There's like there's a shootout loss in there somewhere. But um, how how much do you, even though Garen, you know, a week ago said we you don't you know you don't trade your way out of problems. How much do you think both the potential the Wild had shown in the beginning of the season and then that slump they had hit, how much did that motivate him, do you think, to, to make so many of these moves here? 
You know, and I think the play early in the season probably stands out a lot. I think even internally too, for the players, you know, I, I, I think Ryan Hartman had a comment the other day that he said, you know, that's who they thought they were, you know, the funk was, was out of character and was not, you know, indicative of who they are. They, they believe they're that team from earlier in the season, it sounds like. So I, I think there was always kind of that reminder, you know, that this is what this team is capable of. At one point it was atop the NHL standings and then also had that, you know, 10 game point streak uh, after the winter classic. So there was obviously evidence and, and proof of how well this team has played. But I think then, you know, that slump, um, I think it just probably reinforced too, like how well this team is when it does play to its identity and how can this team get back to doing that. And I think these moves clearly reinforce that and maybe better position the team to play that way. Because I think that was probably what was most jarring about that skid was that the wild didn't look like the wild. Um, you know, this was a team earlier in the season that I think did to other teams what Calgary did to it in that couple game where they just looked overmatched. They weren't tough to play against. They were pushed around and it just didn't seem that, you know, the competitiveness and that edge was there. And so I think obviously the moves can better position the team to play that way because not only is that how the wild can have success and clearly is kind of formed to produce and play, but that obviously the track record shows is the way that teams have success this time of year into the playoffs, you know, the St. Louis's, the Colorado's, you know, Calgary as well, obviously emerging as a contender for the Stanley cup this season. That's the style of hockey that is going to be at the forefront, you know, the rest of the regular season into the playoffs. And if the wild wants to compete with that caliber, it has to play that way. And I think obviously Garen's acquisitions, um, you know, were executed to help the Wild withstand that standard the rest of the way. I want to get to some of the skaters in a minute. I don't think we should overlook them. And some of them have already made positive impacts with the team, particularly in that win over Vegas on Monday. Um, but, you know, the, the flurry acquisition, getting a goalie. And I think after the Tyson-Jost trade, which was the first of, of these many moves, Garen had you know, met with the media and was pretty frank about kind of the state of the team and had said in response to a question about do you need to go get a new goalie, said not necessarily, but he said he, he had confidence in these guys, even if the numbers weren't saying he should. At what point did you start to pick up on this is something that's a real possibility that they could go out and make a goalie addition, even though they seemed to have a thing going with Kakinen and uh, Talbot? I think recently leading into the deadline, but this was obviously something that was on Bill Guerin's radar much prior. You know, he acknowledged that he inquired about Flurry a couple weeks ago. So that puts, you know, right around that time when the, you know, the team's kind of sputtering and, you know, that was obviously an issue at the time, some leaky goaltending and there were leaks all over the lineup. You know, this wasn't just on the goaltending, but earlier in the season, you know, the offense was outscoring 
you know, maybe a lot of those miscues in its own end. And obviously that scoring had also kind of dried up in that post all-star break slump. So I think it became more exposed. And so, you know, that obviously conversation happens and Bill Guerin explores that possibility. Uh, But even in the last few days leading up, he said it kind of went back and forth whether or not this would uh, this would come to fruition. Fleury obviously was in control of his of his future with a no trade clause, which he obviously waived to facilitate this move to the wild. Um, but also the cost. Um, this is an organization that you know values and has to value first round draft picks uh, because of the looming salary cap implications of the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts. They obviously are going to need players on entry-level deals to fill out this roster in the coming years when their their financial picture is restricted by those buyouts. So, um, you know, to potentially lose a first-round pick is is difficult, but in Garen's mind, it's worth it if it means a Western Conference final appearance, which is what would have to happen for the Wild to lose a first-round pick, as well as Flurry being in net and posting four wins through the first two rounds. So uh, a lot to consider, but obviously with someone of that stature and experience level, especially in the playoffs, um, you know, this is an acquisition that certainly, you know, like you said, addresses an issue that had come up, especially in the second half slump to start. And now, you know, the wild has two goalies the rest of the way that probably share the workload and, and, and try to, you know, obviously prepare the team for the postseason. They did recoup a second round pick right in the McBain trade. So I wonder if that, you know, in, in Garen's mind squares things a little bit or makes it a little easier to, you know, think about giving up a, a, a potential first rounder. Like you said, he'd probably gladly give up a first rounder if it meant that they had the level of success that would necessitate giving up that first rounder. So it seems like a worthy gamble. I think you kind of just answered what I was going to ask you next, but I was, I was kind of curious, how does the goalie, tandem shake out now i mean cam talbot's accomplished he's he's played really reasonably well this year he was an all-star um and he you know he had a little slump but he's won a bunch of starts in a row had a shutout on uh, on monday and we've talked plenty about how they need probably need two goalies down the stretch because of the compressed schedule but you know well do you think one of them will emerge as the guy going into the playoffs and, and you know how do you think they handle that Results probably will dictate that. And that's kind of been the MO so far. You know, the Wild has kind of already been using somewhat of a two goalie system. It was kind of, it looked like a 60 40 split, maybe in favor of of Talbot versus Kakinen um, so far. But I think a split makes sense the rest of this regular season. A lot of games in, you know, pretty much the same amount of days, uh, quite a few back to back. So I think it makes sense to have some type of rotation there and especially get Flurry integrated. But if, if Talbot continues to play like he has lately during a six game win streak, he's probably going to continue to merit face time as well. And then that kind of, you know, maybe puts it in a situation where whoever's, you know, playing better, you know, that's even the best way to say it, but, um, you know, who maybe whoever emerges from, you know, this type of splitting the crease, if that's what happens, um, you know, gets anointed the game one starter, but you know, I, I, it maybe looks like a tough decision, but I think for the wild, they, they don't mind that opportunity or that, you know, position to be in to have to pick, you know, one out of two, if they're both playing so well. And so I see an opportunity, I think for both, and maybe that's what it takes. You know, I I think so, so many, so many years we saw, you know, just such a 
clear hierarchy, a one, you know, and a two, a starter and a backup. And I think, you know, nowadays more with the workload and, you know, managing, you know, ice time and games in a, in a compact schedule, especially these last few years, we've seen more of a split in net around the league, I think, with some teams. And, and maybe that's the way that the Wild finds its success the rest of the way. That was, you know, for Wild history buffs, their most successful postseason ever was kind of a goalie split. It was Dwayne, I believe Dwayne Rollison and Manny Fernandez back then, if I'm getting my goalies right. I hope I am. It might, um, actually, it might, okay. I think that's right. If it's not, I will, uh, I will correct myself later on in the show, but it was for sure a goalie rotation back in the day. Maybe it can work again, but goalie wasn't the only thing they added. Um, you know, Tyson Jost was the first dominant of all they added. Some some more muscle, it seemed like, with, with some of those other moves and, and paid off right away with, with a goal from one of those newcomers on Monday. Yeah, Nick, Nick Delorier obviously made an instant impact with his team debut. Not only the goal, the game winner in that victory over Vegas, but I think just his style of play. He arrived as advertised and exactly what the Wild was seeking. A hard presence on the ice, kind of that sandpaper bite, finishes his checks, obviously brings in exuberance and an energy that, you know, seems to fit in seamlessly with this locker room and this team. Uh, but that line as a whole, I, I think that line, the fourth line now with, with Tyson Jost and Brandon Duhame has an identity that it's going to be a tough shift. And the Wild has really prided itself on all season, rolling all four lines, having that balance and depth. And this just, I think, solidifies that. And that's a line that come playoff time or you know, a, a St. Louis Blues matchup later in the season with seating on the line in the Central Division, that's an assignment that that could be very tough for an opponent. Um, you know, you, you, there's the Kaprizov line, and then, then there's the Fiala and Boldy combination, and then there's the the Jordan Greenway, you know, Joel Erickson, Marcus Felino line, and then you're going to have to play a Nick Delorier, Brandon Duhame, Tyson Jost line. That's going to be hard and physical to play against. It really, like I said, looks like the Wild is rounding out its game to play playoff hockey. And I think that's really is the next step for this organization. As I said, the team didn't make any moves last season at the deadline. It wanted to keep you know, a team that had maybe obviously exceeded expectations last season. It was a transitional season, but give them the opportunity to see how far they can go. They got to game seven against, a, you know, a very physical, tough Vegas opponent. And now it's what's the encore? What's next? Can they bridge that gap? Can they get better? And obviously it's clear they are trying to learn from the past and adapt and get better. And now they're shaping up to try to you know, see what they can accomplish. Seems like this benefits Marcus Felino to a certain degree. He was, there's a lot expected of him from both, you know, scoring output this season and also from a physical standpoint, you know, if there was a, a fight to have, it was oftentimes him being put in that situation, even though, you know, that, that took, you know, a, a relatively skilled player off the ice for the wild. It, it, you know, just in listening to his comments the other day, sounds like, you know, he, he recognized they need some of this from from that Vegas series and also maybe just to kind of take some of that pressure off of him. 
he has evolved his game, obviously, in his tenure with the Wild. And, you know, the role that he maybe started with was probably very similar to what Delorier was brought in, you know, to to bring. But now he is part of this team's best matchup shutdown two-way line. This is a line that scores goals and prevents goals. So when he's in the box serving a five-minute penalty for stepping in on behalf of a teammate or, you know, getting physical and having to, you know, pay the repercussions for that, one third of the wild's most effective line is iced. So obviously now I think, and you're right, Deloria acknowledged that he wants to be, he'll serve that. He will serve the penalty and keep Felino on the ice. And so you're right. I think that just speaks to the evolution of this lineup and recognizing that the wild is better when, you know, Felino's on the ice, that line's on the ice, but it still wants to play with that bite and now this is obviously a player and a line that can, that can help supply that. Gloria seems like a bit of a character from his uh, from the first meeting he had with you guys. Is that, uh, does that seem accurate to you? Like I said, very energetic, uh, you know, seems to like fit right in, bring that exuberance. And he actually goes back with Felino. They both played in Buffalo. So there's a history there. It sounds like he's familiar with quite a few of the players on the wild. So I'm sure that just eases the transition. You know, he's obviously dropped into a playoff race from Anaheim, which is obviously rebuilding, has been struggling. So I, I'm sure there, that comes with kind of like that breath of fresh air, that fresh start to come in. But yeah, he seems to fit in. And I think that play on the ice as well just reinforces that. It's kind of contagious, I think, that energy probably amongst his teammates and the fans. You know, XL Energy Center was so loud Monday night after he scored and celebrated. And, you know, that's the other component. You know, this is this is a grind. This is the tough part of the season. This is the make or break stretch. But I think finding that balance, too, of just enjoying the process and realizing that, yeah, it's, it's every other night, it's back-to-backs, but still having that energy and enthusiasm for it, that's something else that he can help bring and that the Wild could essentially feed off of. All of these newcomers are joining a pretty good roster. Um, Kirill Kaprizov, not, not that he's going unnoticed, but maybe overshadowed in the last few days just by all this trade news. He's got 32 goals. Um, I believe he's up to like 76 points now, closing in on the, the team single-season points record, which is a modest, uh, I think, 83, which is not a, a high total, but still one that he should be able to get this season and, you know, challenging for the goal record, too, which is shared by Marion Gabrick and um, and Eric Stahl, I believe, at 42. So he's got 10 to tie that in a little over 20 games, which kind of is the pace he's on. Um, everything is advertised this year. He's been, uh, you know, even when the team was slumping, it didn't seem like he was really a part of it. You know, I think it was really interesting to see how he would respond this season to a full season. Obviously, last season was shortened, um, you know, due to the pandemic. But how would he respond to, you know, a complete season, full travel, you know, playing every team in the league, not just within your division? And I think he is totally impressed for this to only be his second year and to be chasing down, you know, records that have some that have been in place for quite a while, obviously. And two, you look at the company that he's in league wide, you know, these are numbers that could obviously put him within the top 10 of, in scoring uh, in the league. And I think too, what, what maybe doesn't get, uh, you know, pointed out all the time is a lot of his production is at even strength. It's at five and five. He is not just piling up these points on on the power play because the Wilds power play, obviously we know has struggled this season. He is one of the most effective contributors at even strength 
in the NHL. And I think that obviously speaks to his talent, his skill, how he's integrated into this lineup. But it, it really is impressive what he's accomplished and the records that he is closing in on and getting close to so early in his career. It makes you wonder what's next, you know, the rest of, of these ensuing seasons, if he just continues to maybe shatter his own performances. Final thought for you, Sarah McClellan, what, you know, as we get down the home stretch, this final quarter of the season before the playoffs, like what, what are you going to be watching for in addition to just what we've seen in the first 60 plus games this year? I'm really interested to see if the wild can play to its identity consistently. As I said, that's when this team has kind of found itself in trouble when it's departed from that hard nose, hard to play against box out style and that North South game. And it's a tough way to play. It's grinding, but it's successful. So can they get in the habit of deploying that style every game and maintain it into the playoffs. If so, you know, we've seen the Wild, you know, prevail against some of the best teams in the NHL this season. And on the flip side, if they can't play that way, we've seen some some losses that have obviously stung the team. So can they get in the rhythm of playing the way they have to play on a nightly basis? And if so, they might be a team to watch come playoff time. Uh, I've got some great news for you. The trade deadline has come and passed, so you won't have to cover any more trades, probably just uh, just these games and what should be a fun rest of the season. Sarah McClellan, thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you. It was good catching up with Sarah McClellan. I feel like it had been a, a few weeks and a lot had happened to the Wild for the Wild since we last talked. And of course, that you know all the moves they made before the trade deadline certainly you know, warranted this, uh, you know, this catch up with with Sarah. And, I, you know, I, I think she's right in, in a lot of respects. Um, always, you know, always is, always does a great job, you know, talking about this team and writing about this team. But just the, the confidence Bill Guerin showed in this team and the moves at the deadline probably reflective more of the team that they were at the start of the year and not this slump that they had, this identity that they've had for most of the season, he was rewarding that more than he was panicking over a loss of that identity over that, you know, whatever it was, 15-game stretch. And so now, like I said on the other show the other day, no excuses, right? They've got the pieces. They didn't make, you know, a ton of big moves with skaters, but it seems like the moves they've made make sense, give them some help on the penalty kill, give them, give them some help on, you know, some toughness, being able to be a little bit more rugged. And then, of course, the addition of Marc-Andre Fleury gives them such a a, a presence in net and a, a, such a, you know, he and Cam Talbot now, whoever's the hot hand, that can be who you ride into the playoffs and through the playoffs. And again, it doesn't guarantee it's going to work, but it gives you a much better chance. You know, one additional interesting thought I had, by the way, um, when I thought about Zadarius Smith is... Both the Twins and the Vikings have, you know, made some pretty big moves in the last week. And the caveat with a lot of what's happening with those teams is the uh, the the clause if healthy. You know, Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter could be one of the great, you know, pass rushing tandems. But both of them have had injury problems. Smith barely played last season because of an injury. Uh, I think it was a bulging disc. Um, Daniel Hunter didn't play much last season. Missed all of the 2020 season with that neck injury. Um, when healthy is going to dictate a lot of what happens with the Vikings pass rush, and and frankly, it's going to have it's going to dictate a lot of what happens with the Twins. Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton have both had their share of injury problems over the last you know several seasons. Both of them, 
you know, impact, high-impact players, if they can be on the field for 130, 140 games apiece this season, that will go a long way to determining whether the Twins ultimately have success this season or whether they're, they're putting together a team that's intriguing on paper uh, but not really is going to accomplish much. So you got to watch for that. I mean, injuries, you know, durability. Bud Grant used to talk about it all the time, you know, just to have what what that means. Uh, it's an underrated aspect of Kirk Cousins, let's be honest. You know, it, it, whatever you want to say about Kirk Cousins, he is on the field. He plays, and, uh, you know, e- even if he's only the 10th or 12th best quarterback in the NFL, um, he's better than, you know, he's better than Sean Mannion, who we talked about re-signing. He's, he's better than other alternatives, and he stays on the field. He has that history, and that, that's kind of a big deal. So watch for that this year. The, both of those teams have put a lot of stock in players who have a ton of talent, who have had a ton of production when healthy, but they need those guys to be on the field and to produce this season. Let's finish with the cooler, fascinating story. Ash Barty, 25 years old on the top of the tennis world, has retired at age 25. thing I think is really interesting about this is this is not the first time she has walked away from tennis. She says she's, you know, she's burned out right now. She did that like seven, eight years ago too. She was, you know, she had, had been a you know Wimbledon junior champion at age fifteen a decade ago, and and then she it, it got to be too much, and she was you know overwhelmed by the pressure, the travel on the tour, things like that. So she walked away, played professional cricket back home in Australia, um, and then you know got back to tennis, and then all of a sudden has won three Grand Slams. So. I love when athletes are able to do this, when they when they take stock of what they want to do in their lives, what's going on in their lives, how they feel about their sport, and then they don't feel like they have to continue playing something just because they're really good at it. That's a, that's a, that's a good lesson for life. Like, you can, you know, she might decide in a year that she wants to come back, that she misses it. She's certainly young enough that she can keep playing. She's only 25. Um, but if right now that's the right decision for her in her life, we should applaud that and take that as a lesson in our own lives as well. That will do it for today. Should have plenty of men's and women's basketball talk on Thursday's show at the, as the Sweet 16 heats up. That will do it for me today. I'm Michael Rand. Talk to you again on Thursday.